You're on mute. <laughs> You're on mute. <laughs> I swear. What is it still playing that sound? Nah. On my side, it is. It's acting stupid. So, guys, uh, I definitely need a new computer. If you have not been able to tell, I bet it's so smooth on yours on all of your sides, but on my side, like I'm behind on everything because I'm working on a computer from 2016. Um, we're not rolling in the big bucks over here. Uh, you know, true Christian ministry is not balling. We're not sowing seeds like TD Jakes and Joe Osteen or else I'd be on a 2023 MacBook. Uh, but I'm not, um, you need a clock. No, the problem is you guys show up on time and we're used to this generation being late to everything they do. So we're just expecting you to be like your generation. It's not my fault that you guys show up on time. This is 2023. What are you doing? Don't you know that we live in the generation where we congratulate fish for swimming? Like if you do exactly what you're supposed to do, then. Yeah, we're in a generation that's tolerantly intolerant. <laughs> Don't worry, though. I will up. I will update my computer eventually. Um, and we'll get to that point and everything will be smooth on my side. And heck, maybe you never know. Maybe I'll stream some gaming at that point. But uh, as for tonight, we are still on my old computer. We're not super late. Like, let me look. Matter of fact, let's just pretend we never changed this podcast show to 830 and it's still for nine. Right. So we're just early every week. Right. You guys used to come here at nine. So you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> what can I say? Except let me be careful before they demonetize us because I sing their songs. Uh, what's up, JD? I feel like, man, my life's so busy that me and JD haven't been able to talk like we used to. And I feel like I see him like as much as I see y'all now. What's yeah. up, bro? Merry Christmas yeah, and all that stuff. You, bro. Yeah, same to you, man. I hope you had a hope you had a good week. Um, it's been it's been it's been a weird it's been a weird season, but God is good. We trust God, and um, kids kids are healthy. That's the main thing. And you've been making some. That free will, free will, God sovereignty video was was really well done. Um, so if you guys haven't watched that video of Mike's, um, I really suggest you go and do that. It's a, that's a big, probably the most debated question in in the in the Christian community. And obviously, the moment someone says God is sovereign, they're already, already <laughs> labeled a <laughs> five point Calvinist because they say God is sovereign. So how do we reconcile? God's sovereignty and and free will. Uh, I think you did a good job there, bro. Um, so proud of you for that one. That was a really, really good job. And again, welcome to the True Christian Ministry Podcast. And, and we haven't been saying this. I've been watching back a couple of episodes. We haven't been asking you guys to like and subscribe and share this with your kinfolk, man. Share this with people that you know. I'm a firm believer if they have to be asked. I don't want them here anyway. <laughs> So I'm just saying, if you have to click that button because I asked you to, you're like a person who only gets baptized because you have to. <laughs> That's a leap. <laughs> we, we're taking giant strides today. We're like this like on the moon, man. One giant leap for mankind. <laughs> One well, small I'm step still, for I'm, Christian ministry. I'm still banned from uh, TikTok uh, live streaming, though. So if you haven't noticed, we're going to be pumping out more YouTube content. I'm really uh, I'm about to start moving all my TikTok content here as well so that when I get banned officially the entire page, because I already know that's coming. The problem is I keep rejecting the truth. And so when it happens, I get upset. 
It's stupid. I need to just know it's going to happen. So I'm actually, if you haven't noticed, I have a playlist now on YouTube that's labeled TikTok videos. I also have created a podcast in YouTube. I think if you own the YouTube audio app, it will it will allow you to listen to these live streams in audio format. But basically, instead of a playlist, there's a podcast now. It's basically a playlist of all these. Um, uh, yeah, you can me- download, yeah. download YouTube Music, uh, which is a separate app, and then you can listen to the podcasts uh, via YouTube Music. It does work. I have tested oh. it out on my phone. So download oh. the app YouTube Music. Yeah, you get YouTube you Kids. YouTube standard and then YouTube music. So download YouTube music and you can listen to, be to the very honest with you. To be very honest with you, JD, um, before we dive into tonight's actual topic, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a little housekeeping topic. As JD mentioned, we don't do this often. We barely even tell you to subscribe, but since we're here at the topic, if you're going to listen, YouTube is the best bet to really help us out. And here's why. Because the more views on YouTube, the more it pumps in the algorithm on YouTube. And you can actually make money on YouTube. More money in means more money we can do to help. Uh, And speaking of money, both of us are doing holiday fundraisers. Uh, So if you have not heard yet, for me, we are uh, anything that you donate uh, towards what I'm doing is for the Genesis North Texas Women and Children's Center. It is a a place that women can go to if they're running from domestic violence, uh, homelessness, or drug addiction. And what's special about it is not only is it faith-based, but they also let you bring your children. And if anybody's been involved in these situations, if, if you can't bring your child, you lose your child for a period. And once you've given your child to the system, getting the child back in America, I don't know about South Africa, probably worse, but once you've given your child to the system, getting them back, it's a whole nother ball game. So being able yeah. to bring a child into this situation where you're getting your life fixed and then they have a place safe, that's what we're donating to, donating to over here. I haven't given more information than that because this place is also kind of confidential as far as what they're allowed to share because – Obviously, if women are escaping domestic violence, they're not going to plaster what the people there look like and how many people are there, ages, anything like that. All of that's keeping off limits. That's what I'm doing. JD, if you want to share a little bit about what you're doing in case anybody wants to give for that. Yeah, and uh, we go out again every Christmas season. um, There are hundreds, hundreds of people that are on the street. Uh, don't have families um, or have been abandoned by their families or kicked out of their families. Um, again, most of these most of these gentlemen we speak to do recognize that they are in that position because of drug abuse or domestic violence or whatever the case may be. So um, we just try and share, you know, Bibles with them. We give them Bibles and we give them a warm meal um, so that they are not yep. left alone on Christmas Day. We reconcile the giving of the meal with the Bible uh, to bring them the gospel and, you know, let them know that the situation that they're in right now isn't the final destination. But there is one after this, which is far more crucial and far more important. So, again, um, my PayPal is in my bio on TikTok. For those of you that have given already, thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh if you don't have PayPal, um, then you can Venmo or Cash App to Mark, um, and he will send it to me. <laughs> Stop so it. So a seed, so a seed, so a seed. <laughs> so again, uh, there is no pressure yet. So if you, I'm not asking anyone to take out of their households to give. Um, Except JD will never you... look at you again. <laughs> Just shut up, man. <laughs> but if you uh, if you are if you are wanting to help, that would be that would be awesome. 
um, because again, like I said, it is for a good cause and we do try and help people that are less fortunate. So yes, that's, and just that's to, me. That's us. Add a little two cents. If you do send anything for JD to my, uh, my different accounts, make sure you put in the comments for JD. If not, I will use the money for what I'm doing over here. Now at the end of the day, both need help. So uh, it really doesn't matter at the end of the day because I also will send stuff from the ministry if we have extra funds over there too. So no matter where you send it, it's going to get used in one of these situations. And then um, another thing I wanted to throw out there, and me and JD, I was talking about this before air uh, with JD, and I want to announce it now, and I want to go ahead and make a video about this afterwards because I need to make sure this is known. So many of you know I've recently opened up the ability to schedule one-on-one -on -one phone calls with me. Um, not that I am anybody, believe me. This has been a long thing in the in the in the works of questioning pride and should I. And, and it's just finally, I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. It's free, I'm not selling anything. However, the way that beacons works is when you put something as free, it still would allow, it'll allow you to name your price, right? So everybody's been utilizing it, but some people have been like, well, I want to give my 20 bucks. When you do that though, it triggers it as if I'm selling you something. And if that happens, then eventually I'm going to have to pay taxes on these phone calls. So if you do utilize this free thing and you say, Hmm, I would like to send some money to thank him. Do it the normal way. I'm going to see if I can go in there and turn that off because again, I don't want it to look like I'm selling anything. Uh, if someone, I'm not going to fight somebody that wants to give to the ministry. So if you want to, that's by all means. However, um, the phone calls and talking with me is 100% free. I am nothing special. I'm just someone that will give you an ear because sometimes y'all don't have that. And we need to remember that. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's 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 dive into without further ado, let's dive into tonight's topic and let's talk about why we have up here apologetics and its importance. Because JD and I were talking about this. We do a lot of inter-Christian uh discussions about how to defend the Trinity, about how to defend once saved, always saved, or eternal security, depending on what you refer to it as, faith alone. But we don't often discuss defending the faith via non-believers, right? People that come from the outside, whether it's a, a atheist or Islam or whatever. And on top of that, one of the things that we need to understand is apologetics is not a pick or choose, you know, I'm not into that. And I, I hate to break this to you. Maybe a hundred years ago, maybe 500 years ago, maybe it was like that where, you know, hey, the priests take care of this. Cause back in the day, it was the priests writing letters. But I don't know if you guys realize this, but in modern day, everybody has been given access to the town square. This is why journalism has now become a thing everybody can do. TikTok, Twitter, anybody can go and have a political voice, a religious voice. And because of this, you therefore have no choice now as, as being uh, Christians when it comes to knowing a little bit of apologetics. Because yeah. you can't share the gospel without apologetics. And we'll explain Amen. why. Uh, JD, can you define what apologetics is? I, I, I need to remind myself sometimes. For the very young Christians, these words I'm using, I don't want them to get confused. Yeah. Okay. So, so when we look at apologetics, I see Vian also asked in the chat, what is apologetics? So you're engaging in apologetics whenever you are, whenever you have information on something and someone pre presents information contrary to the information you have, you then defend that information. This is called apologetics. So this is the science, the art of defending what has been written down. So we have the Bible, we have the 66 closed canon Bible. And when someone says, Jesus says, money is the root of all evil. And you go, and we see this. This is what most, most, most Christians don't know that they are, 
that they are <laughs> um, engaging in apologetics when mm -hmm. they refute something that has been said by someone. So when you hear someone say, money is the root of all evil, and you go, that's not what the text says. The text says that the love of money is the root of all evil. You are then engaging in apologetics by correcting what is written. And also, this is what we believe as Christians. We make a defense for what mm -hmm. we believe has been said by the thrice holy God. So again, when we defend the Trinity, for example, we are defending the Trinity, not from a place of we want to believe that it's true. It is what the text says. Clearly, plainly, simply, God is three persons, three distinct Amen. persons. We see that. And, and I wanted to point out that apologetics isn't just outside the faith, even though kind of we're making that direction. What we do is apologetics, like he just mentioned, when you defend the Trinity and things like that. Um, the word uh, uh, apologetics, it's, it, it's interesting. Every one of you Christians are most likely uh, an apologist because you've had to at one point defend the faith. And you're all theologians. People look at these words and think they're so much elevated. No, theology is just the study of God. Theo, coming from the Latin term theon or theos, and which means God. And ology, you put on the end of the study of. Biology is the study of, you know, what is it, life or whatever. Um, so you all, at an, at, to an extent, are theologians because you all study who God is. Now, you might not be an accredited theologian or anything like that. But regardless, you all study theology and you all uh, study defending the faith. Now, that word uh, apolo apologetics comes from the term apologia, which is where yeah. we get the term apology. And I always like to let people know, like, in today's society, in our language, when we use apology, you think of saying sorry and, and you think of it being like, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm, I resent it. I shouldn't have done it. There's remorse. However, an apology used to mean to give an account for, give a defense of. So if I got caught doing something, I would give an apology, right? So this is why we see here in First Peter, he says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And that word for defense is apologian or apologia is the root word. So that's where we get apologetics from. We're basing Amen. it off First Peter chapter three, when it talks about always being ready to give a defense of the Amen. hope in you. So there's a thin line there also. Apologetics doesn't mean you have to go back and forth forever with someone who's saying, prove to me God is you know, real and worthy of worship, right? That's not the hope in you. That's someone going through some stuff mentally and sometimes you just gotta go, you know what, <laughs> bro? Yeah. You need God. Yeah. I can't, <laughs> I ain't got nothing for you at this point. Yeah. And Christians love to do this. We love to get fixated on a specific command. Like every Christian does this. You get a, a specific passage or specific verse that appeals to you. And this is the one you keep running home. So again, like I say, we overlook a lot of the commandments given by the apostle Paul. We overlook a lot of the commandments given by the apostle Peter. Paul tells us to make sure that our speech is always clean. So Paul says, let our, in Colossians 4, 6, he says, make sure that your words are always seasoned with salt and with grace so that you know how you ought to answer every single man who asks. Peter then says, always be ready to give an answer or a defense or to present the defense for the hope that is in you. If someone asks why you are a Christian, you can't just go, well, because my mom was a Christian. Um, th this isn't presenting a defense because people want to know, and we often get the effort, the 
evidence question. What is the evidence? Where is the evidence? So we have the evidence. Again, the Bible, when we look at someone who, and, and, and this often comes up within atheist circles, is we can't use the Bible to defend the Bible. Mm. Um, this is just absolutely ridiculous. I can't use the anatomy of the eyeball to defend the existence of an eyeball is essentially what they're saying, um, which is completely pathetic. And it's, it's, it's just building up straw man arguments to break them down because they've already got these presuppositions over the miracles of Christ, over whether or not Christ physically rose, rose from the grave. And what we do as Christians is we point to the fact that these epistles are not just stories, but written accounts. Um, the book of Acts is probably one of the most overlooked books in the Bible by Christians today. And what we see from the book of Acts is places, people, times, days, hours, minutes. We see all of these things playing in to the Bible, which we have today. So when we make a claim, we are making a claim based on a witness account based on something that physically took place. And we then present this as anyone does with any other piece of history for, for today. If you say Martin Luther King Jr. Said, how do you know he said that? Were you there? Were you present? No, you weren't, but you're relying on the witnesses who were there, who heard him say what he said. And then they relay the message. It's the same way people make memes out of uh, Augustine, or Spurgeon, or whatever the case may be, Spurgeon once said this, how do we know Spurgeon said that? Because someone was was there, documented his work, it was well documented, there were people around him, they heard him say that, they heard him made that, make that quote, they wrote down the quote, and so this is how we end up here. And this is also, again, understanding that your Bible that you have today is not just, okay, all of a sudden, in 1611, the Bible came perfectly preserved in the English language. This is this is this is the this is not the truth. Uh, when we look at the manuscripts, there were many English translations before the King James Bible that were preserved from the manuscripts. We can go back to these manuscripts. We can still review these manuscripts, and this is why when you look at software like Logos, you can click on a word, you can see the Greek definition, you can see which manuscripts this was drawn from, and thereby you can then get the context of what's being said in the text. And this is ultimately everyone that's here right now can agree that context is what's missing. And you are not able to successfully defend a specific scripture if you do not have the context. Um, there is a, and I'll just say this before I let Mark take the mic back. The We go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Matthew 18, verse 18, but everybody overlooks John 20, verse 20. Um, and this is an important one because this one is ripped out of context all day long by binding and loosing, binding and loosing. Uh, and, and Jesus gives the apostles the authority saying, I've given you all authority to bind whatever is bound in heaven is bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven is loosed on earth. And when we look at the context of this passage, Jesus Christ has given his apostles the keys to the kingdom. What are these keys? These keys 
are essentially for the church of Christ. These keys are that Paul and Peter and James and the other elders are able to equip the saints with what the Bible truly says, with what God has passed on to them to reveal to everyone they preach the gospel to. This has got nothing to do with binding Satan. This has got nothing to do with loosing blessings. I loose blessings on you and your family, and I bind the spirit of laziness. This, so this is what we see um, that that passage is being used for today. But when you go look at John 20, verse 20, if you could just open that up quickly. And I just want to show you, I just want to show you something here. Um, they'll never bring up this verse. If you go to John chapter 20, verse 20, they'll never, ever bring up this verse. What Jesus says here, he says over here. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad and they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed. On them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. For if, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So what is Jesus Christ saying here? Again, the reason for apologetics. If you don't forgive someone, does that mean they are now not forgiven? And this is exactly the same language Jesus uses in Matthew 18, 18. And in Matthew 16, verse 19, with binding and loosening. No, it is simply, he's not saying that they're not forgiven because you have not forgiven them. He's saying you have withheld. You have withheld it. Not, not the Father in heaven. Again, same principle, same language. So very important that we understand what the text is saying in its context so we don't rip it out of context. And that's... That's all. <laughs> That's all, folks. <laughs> I don't know how to follow that up. Yeah? Did you say yeah? <laughs> uh, but no, you, you mentioned um, the Bible and scripture. You said a lot, man. I don't, I'm don't. i just going to have to pretend you, you didn't talk yet and just talk about things. Uh, I meet so many Christians that can't answer the question on why they trust the Bible. And I think that's one that a lot of Christians need to really dive into and ask themselves why they trust the Bible. Uh, because nowadays you're going to run into a lot of people that went to their college professor and their college professor told them you can't trust the Bible. It's man-made this, this, and that. And someone may ask you, well, why should I trust it? And if your response is like, well, because like, why should anybody listen to you say that? Like, I get it. You might be convicted in your heart. This is the word of God. And it, it, it found its way to me. However, to the atheist, you got lucky that someone handed you a Bible and not a Quran that, and you're, I know what the Christian's response to that is, J.D. There's no, no, it's not luck. It's God. Yeah, but the atheist doesn't care about that. The atheist is yeah. going to say, yeah, so you got lucky that you got born here and handed a Bible, right? So if you don't know why you trust the scriptures, you should be diving into it because I would, I should, I mean, you should want to know why you trust the scriptures. How do we have the Bible today? Why is the, why is today's Bible trustworthy? These are the kinds of questions that um, we as the podcast here should try and dive into more. And also there's a lot of resources out there because apologetics is also not just about 
trying to get into arguments. It's about studying the very thing that you want to defend. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I always, I always, I always say to people when they're like, you know, I battle, I battle to, I battle to read my Bible. And I always say, imagine, imagine your Bible, imagine your Bible and, and, and knowing it, imagine your Bible and knowing it from Genesis through to revelation, imagine a requirement for salvation was knowing this book front to back off by heart. Imagine it was a requirement. So we, we see people walk into walk into, and then you see this with, with anybody that's gone to varsity or university or whatever you, you know, and you study to be a lawyer or a doctor, you don't, you don't just get a, a, a little piece of paper. It says you need to go. What, <laughs> what come again? What was that first word you said? University varsity oh, varsity. Yeah, we call it varsity in South Africa. So, <laughs> so if you if you want to become a doctor, you've got manuals upon manuals upon manuals that you have to study, and you have to you have to know what you you can't just cut someone open. More moreover, we you're not going to go to a guy who says, "Yeah, I bought I bought a degree um, off of Craigslist, um, and I'm an I'm a heart surgeon." Um, you're not going to just go, cool, cut me open, doc, um, see what's wrong. Um, and this is the same way with apologetics. We don't just put the Bible down and, and just go, okay, well, there you go. Joel 2, that's what it says. Um, uh, we dissect. So when you go to the doctor, you first get an evaluation. They do x-rays. They take blood tests. They take your blood pressure. They evaluate before they start chopping you open um, and re rearranging things. And this is ultimately the same way we are to approach the word of God. We don't just whip open, rip out scriptures, cherry pick wherever we want to cherry pick and then go, okay, that's what it is. Um, and someone asked the question, why is it not called unapologetics? It is not called unapologetics because essentially this is what Reverend Brandon Robertson does. He's a progressive Christian and he's got the word of God in front of him. But he doesn't believe that it's the word of God. Uh, Jonathan Blake, Archbishop Wolf in Purple Silk. He says that the Bible is dangerous and the Bible should not be given to children. But Deuteronomy tells us that if you lead your children up in the way of the Lord, when they are young, when they are old, they will not part from that way. So we look at the Bible and we say that this is God's authority this is god's word this is god's final instruction to us today uh, hebrews 1 1 makes it abundantly clear that in the latter times god spoke through the prophets to the fathers but in these last days jesus christ those are the words that we follow what jesus christ relates to the apostle paul to the apostle peter and what they wrote in their epistles this is what's applicable to the christian today so if you love someone you want to spend time with someone. Reading the Bible is spending time with God. Reading the Bible and understanding what God is saying in the context in which he is saying, dissecting it is how we train ourselves in the word of God. Second Timothy 2.15, study to shew thyself approved unto God. So again, this has got nothing to do with your salvation, but it's got everything to do with how you can 
or able to articulate what the scriptures have said in their context so that you don't do what these progressives have done. Uh, universalists, they ultimately, everybody's saved. No one, no one is separated from God. Uh, again, taking the message of reconciliation out of context, ripping it completely out of context. So we, again, can engage with these people and say, how did you get there? Because you're blatantly ignoring the rest of what is written in the word of truth. Amen. And again, I might as well just let JD do that. He got the apologetics down. I want to <laughs> add little two senses and then I'll just let him do it. I'm going to just be the sprinkler tonight. Just sprinkle a little something. Let me sprinkle a couple things on what JD said there. Uh, number one is, huh, so this one's a pet peeve of mine. And I just want to look close at, let me move the camera. I want everybody to hear this Christians. When you are defending the word of God, this is a pet peeve of mine. Maybe you'll disagree, but I think it's counterproductive to go outside of the Bible. And here's why. Imagine someone came to you saying, I trust this right here with all of my life. This is the most trustworthy thing. This book right here, nothing can save. I mean, nothing can save me outside of this. Nothing can make me a better man than this. Nothing has the truth like this. And then when someone challenges me on it, I go over here to prove it. Well, the minute I do that, I just made that, whatever that is, whatever's over here, the authority over this. My point being, you can sit here and tell a non-believer that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that he is the exact imprint of God, and he is what I need in my life, and his word is trustworthy. But the minute you go outside of him to prove him, you have now made that thing above him, the authority, right? So, because I've heard, I, I know Christians that, don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with incorporating these other elements, science, archaeology, uh, uh, philosophy, that's great. But that's not your ultimate appeal or else you're no longer you're, you're literally proving your case the opposite, because if that's your ultimate appeal, that's your God. Right. If I tell somebody I trust this with all my heart, soul and might, then I should demonstrate that. And this brings me to point number two. J.D. said it. He said, uh, you know, if you had to read the Bible to be saved, that's the problem, because the truth is, if I handed a book to you and said, guys, if you read this. If you if you read this entire book and you implement it, I guarantee 150% you will be a billionaire next year. Most people will pick that book up and they will study it closely because they love money. But yet you have the inherent word of God that literally says all scripture is breathed by God and capable to make you complete and equipped for every good work. And you know that to read this is to get to know the, the eternal God who loves you, that this is his word that will never pass away. All these things, you say you believe that, but if you're not in it, then your action defines your faith. And I've said this before to you guys, action defines faith. Action, no matter what, this is literally Hebrews 11 in a, in a nutshell. It's like Moses believed, and then he did this. Abraham believed, and then he did this. So-and-so believed, and then he did this. Uh, uh, you know, David believed, and it's constantly showing you they believed, and here's what came because of their belief. Likewise, if you truly believe that's God's word, are you really saying, like, if I said, hey, guys, the phone's ringing, it's God. How many of you said, let me get the phone? Because you believe he's on that phone. And if you believe he's on that phone, you want that phone. So ask yourself, if you struggle wanting to read the Bible, do I truly believe that's God's word? Because why am I not eager to rip it open and say, what does he say? What is in here? Yeah. 
Yeah. I love the TikTok videos people make where it's like, imagine if you treated your phone like the Bible and you see someone wake up and immediately look for their Bible and, 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 or vice versa, treat your Bible like the phone, walk out the house and be like, oh my goodness, I forgot it. Run back in the house for it. Turn around the car for it. Be sitting there eating food while looking at it, doing everything, walking around the house while looking at it, using the bathroom while looking at it. Amen. Insane. Amen. Like action. Amen. And I'm not even, look, I'm not even like that. I've got it. I'm dealing with the world too of distractions. So if you're not that way, no one's sitting there being like, you're a bad Christian. I'm trying Amen. to give you that thing that I put inside myself that makes me feel bad, but at the same time drives me. I don't know if you guys know this, but sometimes when you, I don't know, everybody responds differently. I'm the kind of person that needs to feel a little shame. I have to, right? Everybody has different leadership styles and vice versa. They have following styles. I guess you could say it. As someone who's managed a lot of people, I promise you, everybody responds differently. Some people need a kick in the Amen. butt. Some people need paperwork. Some people need a talk, right? Me, I need, a, I need to feel bad. So I'll shame myself a little bit like, come on, man, really? And I ask myself the questions I'm asking you. Like, do you really believe that's the, the key to life? That's the cure to the cancer you have named sin? Like that is the, the, the solution. And this isn't an option though, guys, like, it's not required for – this is the funny thing about our walk with the Lord, J.D. The things that aren't required are required. Isn't that weird to say? So how do I want to word this? Someone's going to clip this. Nothing is required for your salvation, but everything is required for your salvation. And what I mean by that is you actually give nothing, but when you give nothing, he takes everything. And when he takes everything, he changes you. So it's not that reading the Bible is required to be saved, but a saved person wants to know his word. It's like baptism. People say, Mike, do I have to get baptized? And that, that question hurts me. Like, are you saying the only reason you would is if you have to? You should be like, I want, I want to do what he did. I want to do this. I want to pursue him here. Right? So just, uh. I don't yeah, know, man. I mean, and 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 here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's, I have to go blow so my nose, to, but I'm listening. There, there's so much to take from what Mike just said. So, if if again, this is this is a question of okay, your 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 salvation is secure in Christ. Your salvation is secure in Christ because of what Jesus did. And and the moment you believe the gospel, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's got nothing to do with you. That's got nothing to do with you. But now, how do you respond? How do you respond to this gift that you have been given? So. I claim I love my wife. Um, I claim I love my wife so much. She's my wife. I love her. She's she's birthed me, my only son, and and uh, you know I just absolutely love my wife. And I do. And you say to me, "What's your wife's favorite food?" And I go, "I don't know." <laughs> what does your wife love doing on weekends? <laughs> no idea. What's your wife's favorite color? <laughs> You're asking me. Do you see the problem with that? When when you claim you love something, when you claim you love someone, if I say I love something, I can give you, I can give you something about that thing that I love. The the same, the same. And when we see people use scriptures like Hebrews chapter six, uh, you know, as as an argument for your eternal security, Hebrews 10, verse 26, you know, uh, they go, Matthew chapter 7, you know, many will say, uh, rip, again, ripping them out of context, completely staying not in tune with what the scriptures have been saying, not 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 paying absolutely, you know, when we get to Hebrews chapter 6, uh, most people ignore the fact that there are five chapters before that, <laughs> that lead up to Hebrews chapter 6. 
Um, what does it say in the first five chapters? And, and when people come at us with these, you can lose your salvation, uh, Hebrews 10, 26, I am fully convinced that they spend no time reading the Bible and all their time listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick or Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer or one of these motivational speakers who have driven fear into them and said, this is, this is how it works. And we saw, you know, again, um, you know, I'm not going to even mention his name, but I did a video a while ago on someone using scriptures to manipulate people, emotionally blackmailing people into giving money to the poor, because if you don't, uh, you will hear the words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Again, you will only hear those words if you don't donate to our ministry. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you don't donate, one. yeah. We talked to the Lord about this. He's going to include us. <laughs> get real. Better get real. So we, we look at these. I always regret my clips that I give people <laughs> after I say them. <laughs> and when and when you look at, at, at the, the question of, of what is we asked the question, what is love? What is love? Now, you know, I, I was having a conversation with a guy about two years ago. And, and, and I've got a son. I've got a son. Mike's got a son who he's got two sons. But I mean, he's got a baby boy. Now he's got a little baby boy. I've got a baby boy. Dominic is three. Corbin is what, six, six, six years old. So we look at these little kids. Now I want you to just wrap your heads around something. I'm going to get real with you for a second. Imagine Corbin. Corbin is walking on the streets. Corbin is walking on the streets and there's a man that can be released. He's going to the electric chair tonight. He can be released from death row and he has committed murder. He has killed 10 young women who he has brutally sexually abused and murdered. And tonight he goes to the electric chair and the governor comes to Mike and says, we will let this guy go free, but we need Corbin to sit in his seat. We need your innocent little boy to sit in his seat and die in his place because someone has to die tonight. And when you look at it like that and you realize the message of the cross, Jesus Christ did not have to die on the cross. He did so willingly. He did so willingly. It was never the backup plan. It was never the B plan. It was never if they don't listen plan. It was never when they break the law plan. This was always the plan. Jesus Christ was the lamb slain before eternity passed. Jesus Christ was always going to lay down his life for you and for me. And not me nor Mike will willingly put our precious little boys on any cross for any murderer, for anyone who has committed heinous crimes against their fellow brothers and sisters. Yet we look at the message of the cross like it's just, uh, just something. Why wouldn't you want to read your Bible knowing the gift you have been given? Why wouldn't you want to be reading your Bible? That's the question. That's I'm sorry. I was, I was laughing at the comments. I thought you were going to ask me like legit, like ask me if I would give my son up. I had everything ready to go. I had an answer ready, and then you just went past it. 
I'm upset about it. <laughs> would, you, would you give your son you up, bro? Said, is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Mr. Madison, <laughs> what you But yeah, how we get there. I forget how we got there. We went from apologetics over here. Because apologetics and, and reading your Bible and why you should be reading your Bible. And again, it's not a requirement for your salvation, but why wouldn't you be reading your Bible okay. now that you're a believer? I heard I now saw that you're a believer, asking, why wouldn't you? Someone in the comments said they've read the Bible six times. Do they just keep reading it? If you've read the Bible six times, I'm guessing from front to back, at that point, what I would do is I would put more focus on the studying of books, right? Um, don't get me wrong. Reading the Bible front to back is a great way to bring it all in, bringing, bringing in you know the information. However, there are some books where you can spend a lot of time at, right? So I'm a firm believer in dive in and do individual studies, right? Studying the entire book of Romans or studying, you know, first Corinthians or studying James or whatever, like going into more in-depth study than just a gloss over the entire Bible reading, which again, yeah. not knocking that incredible way to get First of all, if you don't do that first, then you're not going to be able to understand some things when they reflect in different areas, right? So that is an incredible way to start. But yeah, I would dive into more in-depth um, individual studies on specific areas of the Bible. Oh, it looks like yeah. you made some people cry, JD. Terrible. Amen. Well, that's, you know, that's awesome. That's awesome uh, because because this is this is how I always have to I have to remind myself when when pride creeps in and and when I get angry at at some of the videos I see um, and, and how people manipulate the text I get very angry uh, when people use God's word to um, as a hammer over others when people use God's word as a weapon um, against fellow brothers and sisters in Christ it, it does make me. Um, it does make me upset and I don't respond, but I'm, I'm always reminded that the same grace that, that has saved me is available to save them. But it, it's, it's this heart condition. We, we talk about this, this constant hardening of the heart and, and believe me, you're not exempt from this. Once you are saved, you're not exempt from, from allowing pride to creep in and uh, becoming hardened and puffed up with your knowledge. So as much as we encourage reading the Bible and, and getting into apologetics, there is the, the strict, strict warning to stay humble um, while doing so. So I saw this question. So should we read writings from other religions for apologetics sake? I still read Watchtower every month to see what they are teaching. So this is a great question. Um, and this is something that I think more people need to understand. So when it comes to apologetics, there's a couple things. If, if you have a passion for apologetics, there's a couple things you should know. So basic apologetics is what me and JD are talking about. Like we should all be capable of defending the faith that we have. That's like level one. That's where we're saying you all should. You cannot, we cannot reject that. Now, what you're talking about is something a little bit more. And yes, if you have a passion in you to reach Jehovah's Witnesses, then you would want to be invested 
in what they are 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 using and what they do. For example, many of you know I pay attention to Catholic news, Vatican news, Vatican documents. I read uh, their councils. I read when new things get released and the Pope releases his letters. Right? Why do I do that? Because I have a passion of talking with Catholics and therefore I need to keep myself centered there. Now, what what I need you to understand though is don't let TikTok lie to you. TikTok has created a lie about what apologetics is and what debating is. Debating, first and foremost, is not random and just random people and random topics. A real debate, like if any of you saw me and Emily debate, I told her we're going to do it on a certain topic and there was structure to it, right? People nowadays, they get on TikTok, they defend the faith, and then they just say, come on up. So they're trying to discuss things with Jehovah's Witnesses, atheists, Muslims, etc. There's no Christians except for some a, a few, a handful that can literally do that properly where they defend the faith truly against all those different groups. Because not a, it, it, the human brain can only grasp so much, and you have to study these other faiths. Now, for example, I couldn't, I would never purposely go after Jehovah's Witnesses to debate them. Can I defend my faith against them? Absolutely, because yeah, I'm grounded yeah. in my faith. And by being grounded in my faith, I can defend my faith against anyone. But I can't go into their stuff. I don't know the depth of Jehovah's Witnesses. I know the, you know, the sugarcoating top. Jesus is the Archangel Michael. I don't know much more about them than that because I've put a lot of my attention into Mormonism, Islam, and Catholicism. And that's already a lot. But my focus is where? You all know. Catholicism. That's where I know a lot. This is why you find certain people that focus in one area. For example, James White, even though he's done different things, he keeps his focus in an area during that period. Like right now, he's Catholics. You barely see him go against Muslims anymore. He's had books about them, but focuses on Catholics. Same Sam Shamoom or whatever his name is. He's always talking to Muslims. So, yes, if you want to get into apologetics, you have to pick a focus. It's up to yeah. you. I don't know what your passion is. And my recommendation is when you pick that focus, you want to go ahead and study other apo uh, apologists and learn their different styles so you understand the style you want yeah. because it's also a different Amen. style. Presuppositional apologetics, completely different than the um, the way Frank Turek does it. I can't even pronounce the word. Um, but there's different ways that you go forth in your apologetics, right? So yes, it is perfectly fine to do that, but you don't go to those levels until you've gotten your faith down. That's why we're talking about the basics of being grounded in yeah, your this faith. Is, yeah, yeah, this is just a you, this is just a crash course on 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 the apologetics for the everyday Christian. Um, and again, if you're going to go after Jehovah's Witnesses, then yes, by all means, read what they are about so that you can say, "Hey, your Bible says this. How do you reconcile that with this?" Um, because ultimately, this is what apologetics is. Um, we we look at a passage and we go, how do you reconcile that with the word of God? Um, and then they leave them with the question of shucks. Um, yeah. How do I reconcile that? Well, what's good That's about ultimately what apologetics is for? Yeah. I also firmly believe in doing that because I feel like it doesn't happen a lot anymore. But I think that whenever you're having a discussion with anyone, if you have the goal of them hearing you and you possibly reaching them with the gospel, the very first thing you should be doing is showing them enough respect to saying, I want to know what you believe so I can accurately represent you. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the minute you step into a conversation with someone, the minute you misrepresent what they believe, they're already shut off with you. I'll give you an example. If I came up to you and said, oh my gosh, you guys believe in the Trinity, you're polytheists. Easy as that. You have three gods. You've already shut me down. Like, oh, this guy hasn't even taken the moment to figure out what it is I believe. This guy doesn't even care 
about what it, what the Trinity means because there's no way he hasn't had the time to look it up or do any research. A five-minute read, and he would have at least been able to understand what we believe is one God, one being, three persons, right? And therefore, you shut down. This happens a lot between Catholics and Christians and, and a lot of inter-Christian discussions, right? If you immediately misrepresent somebody, and this is beyond Christianity and religion, politics. If you, if you immediately misrepresent somebody, they no longer want to have a conversation. So how can you immediately build that communication? Showing them that I've taken the time to study what you study. So I'm not sitting here being like, you know, I don't know anything about you, but you're wrong. So I, I recommend it. But again, grounded in your faith, because you don't want to step into this world and now cause issues amongst your own beliefs and confusing yourself. And also, you don't want to misrepresent what you believe to to them, right? So this is there's a, there's a lot of importance behind being grounded in your faith before yeah. stepping out. And I think, uh, you know, personally, I think that's the biggest problem. We we have a knack to defend um, as 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 human beings. We have a knack. So remember when you were a kid and you had a group of friends and someone said something about your friend, and you were like, yo yo yo, what did you say about my homie? So like we have. Yeah, <laughs> we have this need to defend what's ours. What we, we eat, love conflict we love. too. Uh, yeah, like, we, we love conflict. We love we conflict. absolutely do. Uh, and here's the thing: we when we when we're speaking about biblical apologetics, it's it's remembering that you are. We don't need to prove God's existence to anyone. We are not commissioned to prove God's existence to anyone. Jesus Christ didn't say in Matthew 28, go out baptizing them in the name, of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Also, feed the poor. Also, make sure you memorize the Bible. Also, make sure you convince everyone that I'm real. Contrary to this, every single time Jesus Christ performed a miracle, whoever he performed the miracle on, he said to them, don't go and announce it. Don't go tell everybody what just happened. When Peter revealed in Matthew 15, and he said, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This is divine revelation from God, but don't go tell everyone I'm the Christ. So again, we see the opposite. We are not commissioned to yeah. convince. So when we look at the apologetics, it is about how do we reconcile our worldview with your worldview? So if, if, if someone comes out and says murder is wrong, we've got a foundation for that claim. What is our foundation? God's command. Thou shalt not murder. Anyone else says, why? Why can't I murder? Why is it wrong? They've got no answer because they've got no foundation. See, their morality is subjective where the Christian's morality is objective. Our morality is given to us by God, not because I feel a certain way towards something, but because God said so. And, and we need to deliver that message because God said so. That's it. <laughs> it's not because I feel a certain way towards something. It's, mm -hmm. it's Mike and I both have a disdain for pickles. We hate them with everything yeah. in us. Oh my pause. my pickle my pickle jetics is on top. I can defend my my beliefs on that. I saw someone <laughs> ask the question of uh mentioned that they're not confrontational, but the truth is 
Again, misrepresentation of apologetics. Apologetics isn't about being confrontational. It's about standing firm in your values and your faith, right? So apologetics is about not letting people take your ground where you stand at. It, yeah. Nowadays, yes, a lot of the people that claim to do apologetics, they're very confrontational. That That is not apologetics. I, in fact, sometimes when people are too excited about being confrontational, it kind of makes me worried. I've had people that reach out to me and send me videos like, get them. I'm like, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm come online like right now. This person's live right now. Come get them. No, nah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to uh, because yeah. it's not about fighting. I don't want to fight. I get exhausted with it. In fact, I just always conversion. Yeah. Yeah. It's always conversion. Apologetics is about being able to stand firm on your values, on, on, on what you believe and being able to defend it. So this person can believe whatever they want, but they're not going to misrepresent what I believe. They're not going to you know, change my mind on things. They're not going to come over here and lie about what the scripture says. I can defend my faith. They can walk away. Confrontational is the person who backs them into the corner and is like, you're wrong and I'm right. I don't care what you think. I, you, I, you probably have heard me say this before. You can believe whatever you want. It's not my job to convince you. However, what I will not do is let you lie. So I will defend the truth as long as you're present and you continue to lie. But yeah, I, I don't care if you don't want to believe in God. Hey, I love you. That's fine. Like, I'm not about to kick you into the corner and be like, you better believe this or else I'll punch you in the face. Amen. My job is to proclaim the good news and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Mm. Amen. I'll give you an example. A while ago, we, we, she's a sister now. She's on the Discord, and, and she comes to most of the podcasts. I'm not sure if she's here now, but Sammy um, came onto my live the one night on TikTok, and, and the, the subject was once saved, always saved. So, so he, the goal of apologetics is conversion. The goal of apologetics is a change of mind. The goal of apologetics is to get the person to see that the way they're looking at things is not the correct way. So Sammy came on my live um, and she was opposed to once saved, always saved. And I said to her, how many times can you get born again? So if you were born from your mother once, we look at John 3, we pull that text out and we properly exegete the text. What do we read in John 3? Jesus Christ says, you must be born again. You must be born again. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says to us, anyone who has believed the gospel is a new creature and all the old things have passed away. There are new the creatures in Christ. So the moment she took a step back and realized, okay, wait, you can't be reborn again, again and again and again. You can't get reborn. Moreover, the term backslidden Christian <laughs> We don't find that in any of who invented that. I hate this term backslider. They use the yeah. Christians online use this as if this is in your Bible dictionary. I yeah. swear to you, who invented it? Because they'd be like, if you backslid, then you're not set. Like, bro, were you coming up with words now? Yeah. There's this one phrase to backsliding in Proverbs. And again, also, it's taken completely out of context. You know what, JD? You got me thinking about something. We need to talk off air. How would y'all feel? The Because I could never offer this to my entire following, right? We've got 370,000 people. I won't even know how to do that. But for the people that come to this live stream, right? There's 129 of you right now. And that's normally the number. So I'm going to guess a large portion of you are repeat. If I can convince JD to find some time in his schedule to uh, to us hosting like a 
couple series uh, Zoom or Discord apologetics courses, right? Because here's the truth of it. When it comes to apologetics, there's a lot of different things that that are important to know. And it's not that it's not meant to be confusing, but this is what we talked about in a recent episode. When we get so beyond our foundation and realize our foundation is soft, we got to go back. We got to go back. And then it gets confusing. Like imagine building up your house and you're out there building. And then JD, the, the quality control inspector from the state walks up. He's got like the suspenders on, a little hot hard hat on. And he goes with that little Australian accent. Looks like you're not up to code, mate. And then you got to start from scratch. You know how hard it would be to dig up the foundation? It gets much more difficult than it is that if you if you do it properly from the beginning. So this isn't meant to be like this, I promise you. However, mm. there are certain aspects of this. Like, for example, you guys talked about confrontation. Well, there's certain aspects of when do you have these conversations and when do you not? Because here's the truth of it. Whenever I see someone that I might have a discussion with, I'm identifying things immediately. Is there a chance this conversation is profitable? Because if it's not, I'm not even going to engage. And I know that the tactics to get me to engage at that point will be insults to get my emotions involved and my pride involved, you coward. And, and, and I have to understand that this is not about the word of God anymore. It's about me, right? So there's these small things like that. Then there's the times of knowing when to say, I don't know. This is something JD and myself have mentioned before. One of the number one answers as an apologist that you need to know is I don't know. Because you don't know everything. And the worst thing an apologist can be is the person who won't say, I don't know. Because then you make up answers in areas where you don't want to admit you don't know because you're scared. You know, what if my followers find out I couldn't answer that question? It's what, more what of a, I don't know. Out? I don't know, but you've given me a rabbit hole to go down and I will find out. Um, it's not a, I don't know, too bad. It's a, I don't know, good question. Not just that, JD. I'm go look. Yeah. Let's say that person believes what you said, the wrong answer. And then, the new apologist, Esmeralda Quinones, I, I messed up your name. I'm so sorry, but I see your name. So I'm using you. She comes across JD and she's talking with JD and JD's like, look, I've really been thinking about Christianity. I just ran into this guy, Mike, recently, but I don't get what he said when he told me that, you know, and then he says something wild, right? I have to be baptized a certain way. And if it's not in this certain way that I'm not saved, I thought you guys believe in faith. Guess what you have to do now? You have to. Fix what I did before you can give him truth. Now, on top of that, you also have to build trust now because wait a minute. Why did he even say that? Do you guys not even know what this is? Do you understand? We don't think about these things from the outside, but think about that yeah. confused non-believer. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. He said this. He said this. And you said this. Why should I believe any of you now? And, and so What's happening is, is when you give an answer that might not be true because, and you just did it, instead of planting a seed, you've planted a weed and the next apologist is going to have to pull them weeds up before they can take care of the soil. Amen. And so this is why it's important to, again, understanding your area of focus. Why do you think I don't make videos about eschatology? Like people can make fun of me all they want and say, Mike clearly can't defend it. You're right. I probably can't defend my eschatology. I know what I believe. I know what the Holy Spirit puts on my heart and I know what I read. But I, you're right. I'm not strong in eschatology, so I probably can't defend it. So I'm not going to speak on something I'm not extremely versed in. Yes, I get called prideful because I actually only make content about stuff I know. Sorry, I had to get silent for a second because I don't know. Maybe I'm not dumb enough to make videos about stuff I don't know. But yeah. that's the point, right? You have areas of, of targeting, right? And you find out your strengths. And there's so much to apologetics. I also have a resource that I could share with you guys for 
over 40, uh, uh, over 400 hours of presuppositional seminary level apologetics. And, and I, and I would give that to you guys, but let me talk with JD. Cause this isn't something I would want to do spur the moment, just go live. Right. This is something that I would want to sit down and we write some stuff yeah. down and, and I would, I would definitely invite cam, uh, involved in it because cam is very strong in his church history. Um, because church history plays a part, but yeah, if you guys are interested in it, it we're talking 2024 because obviously we're in December. I love when you're so close to the new year that you can make it sound like you're talking about a far away, but it's not like, all right, I'm not talking about anytime this year, but next year, uh, definitely yeah, would love to yeah, for do sure. that. Like I said, zoom or discord, something where it's uh more interactive ability where we can let people raise a hand. I know zoom lets you raise hands and stuff. In fact, this software allows for, I don't know if you saw it, JD, when you were creating streams yeah. when I was away, there was a third option of like presentation or board meeting or something where they yeah, allow a lot of people. Um, so it might even be possible on here. Uh, so just something to keep your back of your heads um, for that. And um, me and me and JD can talk about that off air. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Definitely keen to do that. Absolutely. There's a necessity yeah, for it. So. This would 100% be a basics thing. So if you're someone who's versed in apologetics, you might not get anything from it. Right. So I'm letting you know that right now. Um, mm. We're not going to be getting in here and being like, okay, let's talk about the Epicurean paradox, which I made a video about the other day, but that's apologetics, right? Being able to have those conversations. This is about that giving you the information so you can actually take your journey. Since we're not a long-term curse, we're not a certified course. We're not going to have you for 15 weeks. We're talking about a couple sessions, but giving you the tools necessary to begin that journey. And then boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Epicurean yeah, paradox. Used, used, every Christian knows yard. what it is, even though you might not have heard of it before, but leave me, I, I guarantee you know what it is. Yeah. And I did use this. Uh, I did use Streamyard uh, myself, Selena, Charles, we, we sat on a, a call using StreamYard um, as a presentation thing. So it does work. But I think it's limited to like eight that. people. Look at that. JD out here doing all fancy stuff. Well, I've also been looking into a little behind the scenes. I've actually been looking into a new software um, just because I'm not a huge fan of StreamYard. However, it might be my really old computer. In the beacons, there's a little spot that says help my good computer. Um, but yeah, it might be the computer issue. We'll see. One day we'll figure this out. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know what Zoom and Discord is. I'm oldish. It's like, so you remember in school when uh, you put that little clear thing and then it shot the light through it? It just, that goes really far. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm sorry. So, I'm so again, that's, well. that's, 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 that's where it's at uh, because we, we do. Um, and I see a lot of Christians that exactly with what you just said, just going back to that topic, you know, planting weeds instead of, you know, seeds. Um, it is, it is, it is dangerous because we see people hear something said. I saw a couple of questions. Uh, if you see anyone saying that there were books removed from the Bible, it's a lie. It's, uh, you need to ask them, what's the basis for your claim? Like, where did you get that from? Because anyone who comes out and says there were books removed from the Bible, no, there were no books removed from the Bible. They were never in. They were never in the Bible. In order for something to be have to have been removed from, it would have to be in. It can't be, you know, it can't be there if it's not there. It can't be removed if it was never in. So we have to ask the questions, where did you get that from? How how did you arrive at that place? Because 
It absolutely, I see a lot of this on TikTok, uh, a lot of anti-Trinity, um, a lot of anti-eternal security. Um, I think this is probably why Mark and I speak on those things more than other things, because again, as Mark just said, those are areas we are strong in, the triune God of scripture, the eternal security we see throughout scripture. Um, and we know that Jesus Christ is the one who did the finished work. Jesus Christ is the one who performs the good work within us. When we are not faithful, he remains faithful. And, and yet also what we see um, just on the backsliding topic. Is, is Paul speaks to the Corinthians and he says to them, there are things I want to share with you. And I'm, I'm just paraphrasing now. And he says to them, there are things I want to share with you, but you are yet carnal. You are still babes. You, you haven't learned how to walk according to the spirit. You're still giving into the flesh. In Romans chapter 7, Paul says the same thing. That what I want to do, that I end up not doing. I know what is good. I know the law of God. It's present within me. But the law of sin and death in my flesh, in my members... That's where I end up going. So again, Paul makes no reference at all to anyone being able to backslide and then come back again in two weeks and walk down the pews and come down to the altar and, and parrot this prayer for the 50th time. And, and, and hopefully, you know, eventually this prayer will, will reach the Lord's ears. That's, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. Believe the gospel. Believe that Christ died for your sins. Believe that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. And you are saved and sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So people have, 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 have used this term. And, and this was the biggest thing for me growing up um, in the charismatic movement was this constant repetition of backsliding backsliding you've backslidden you've you've backslidden um you need to come back um and and i can firmly now where i am in my walk in my faith i can firmly now say that i was never saved i was never saved i used to go to church uh, every sunday i used to sing the worship i used to dance i used to clap i used to sing i used to do all of these things i used to fall on the floor and you name it I did all of those things, but I never truly believed the gospel of Christ Jesus. And, and that's the difference. That's the difference. It's, it's true belief and vain belief. And ultimately, the end goal, as I said, is always conversion. If we can point out, and that's why we did that episode in Fivefold Liars and these deliverance ministries and these prosperity word of faith ministries that we constantly expose because we see that they do way more damage to young Christians than they guide or lift or encourage. So when Mark gets back from whatever he's reading. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I mean, y'all were talking about it. So I figured I'd throw something on screen. Um, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't listening to a single thing you were saying. Um, I didn't find it to be valuable at the time for myself. Uh, <laughs> let me go ahead and. <laughs> Try not to be rude about it. Uh, oh, he has so, one for you. I don't care about what they're saying. Um, here we go. So this is directly from CatholicEncyclopedia.com. 
The most explicit definition of the Catholic canon is that given at the Council of Trent, Session 4, 1546, and that is for the Old Testament catalog, right? So this is directly from their encyclopedia. If anybody tries to tell you that Protestants took out books, ask them when the when the canon, including the Apocrypha, was actually dogmatically defined. It happened after the Reformation as a response to the Reformation. Prior to this, it was never dogmatically defined and not included in the canon as a definite. And there's church fathers uh, that spoke about this. For example, Pope Gregory the Great says about the Apocrypha, we are not acting irregularly if from the books, though not canonical, yet brought out for the edification of the church, we bring forth testimony. This is him talking about Maccabees. Then we have Athanasius saying there are other books besides the aforementioned, which, however, are not canonical, yet they have been designated by the fathers to be read by those who join us and who wish to be instructed in the word of piety, the wisdom of Solomon, and the wisdom of Sirach, and Esther, and Judith, and Tobias. There's Athanasius, literally, you read those the names of those books, right? That's your Apocrypha. There he is saying they are not canonical. Cardinal Cajetan, a leading Roman Catholic scholar at the time of the Reformation in the 16th century, clearly states that the Apocrypha books are not canonical and cannot be used to confirm matters of faith. See St. Jerome and the Apocrypha. Even on the eve of the Council of Trent, the Catholics' view was not absolutely unified. Catholics, a Catholic edition of the Bible published in Germany and in France in 1527 and 1530 contained only the proto-canonical books. That's that's what we use, guys. That's what we use. So mm. when people try to tell you that, oh, Protestants removed books. Yes, we removed the books that weren't supposed to be there that the Catholics had in there. So sure, here's the thing that cracks me up. Same thing when they talk about people think old is right. So they'll say, yeah. why does the, why does the new better, Bible yeah. why does the new Bible remove remove verses? What if those verses weren't supposed to be there? I don't know if you guys know this, but God's word tells you not to add or take. He doesn't just say don't take things. He says don't add things. Don't add things. Um, th that was directly from the Catholic Encyclopedia, Jen. And the source right here um, on the quotes is a place that brings together a lot of summaries just for Catholics.org. Um, and if you want to get specifically to this article, uh, it's backslash alpha 48htm uh, htm But yeah. Um, why does scripture mention, Jasher, if it's not scripture? So scripture mentions a lot of things, Samantha. For example, and th see, these are the kind of questions that are important to know because if you don't know the answer to this, someone can be like, well, scripture mentions this. Well, quickly, when someone who's been studying hears that, the first thing I think of is, well, Paul also quotes Gentile poetry, right? And he quotes it just like he quotes Old Testament scripture, like as far as his writing style goes. Now, however, Paul doesn't say, as it was written or thus says the Lord. However, he quotes things that aren't biblical. The truth is the Bible gives you narrative. So if they say something, they do something, they put it in the scriptures. The only time they're actually quoting scripture is if they say, thus says the Lord or as it was written, right? And they're referencing written by the prophets. So this Amen. is why we know that certain things um, uh, in the scriptures are literally quoting what they believe to be scriptures. So for example, Enoch, Jude quotes Enoch. That is accurate. He never declares that it's scripture. So let me ask you all a question. If this book of Enoch is floating around and people are reading it, and I'm trying to talk to people about something, and I know that they read that book of Enoch. I know it because I read it. And I go, guys, just like Enoch does X, Y, and Z, 
That doesn't mean I'm confirming that to be scripture. I'm relating to them based on context that they'll understand because they did read the book. No one's denying the book of Enoch being a book that they read, but it's not canonical scripture. And therefore the Jews didn't say, thus says the Lord as Enoch declared and, and, or as the Lord, or as it was prophesied, right? Like these words stay away from it. And yes, they're the, the Septuagint did exist. They knew these books. There's lots of books the Bible talks about. Actually, guys, did you know that there's books the Bible talks about that we don't have? For example, there's a book of Moses, a book of wars. We believe that the Jews uh, in the time of Moses had a book of all the documented battles and life's lost, and they refer to it in the text, but we don't have it. Like, we've never even mm. seen it. But therefore, here's what I say. As Christians, I know God can preserve his word. So any book that's either not present or disputed about heaven, heavily, I don't believe God will allow his word to be disrespected in such manner. So I believe that his word, that's why no matter what, everybody that claims to be a Christian has a certain group of books because God's word can't be disputed about, in my opinion. It, it just yeah. can't. So Amen. there's a reason why. Does the Catholic book have all the books we don't have? No, because there's more books in the Orthodox Church. Orthodox has, has an even bigger um, uh, uh, canon, right? So, um, and the earliest copy of the Septuagint we have is only from the fifth century. So one couldn't dogmatically defend the apocryphal books in there either. So yeah, Daniel brings up a great point. Some people will say, well, we have, we go off what the Septuagint had, but the Septuagint that we have isn't as early as people would wish it was. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I saw another question. Uh, I read all the apocrypha except to Maccabees, not that Enoch one was not God inspired, correct? No. So the term apocrypha means that it was written by an unknown author, right? So the reason why these are apocryphal books is because we don't know who wrote these books. And that's also yeah. one of the worst things when it comes to dating scripture and looking at it. Now, granted, we do have a book in the Bible that we don't know who wrote, and that's he Hebrews. We also have a couple other books that we have questions about. So that's not the only test, but those apocryphal books, we don't even know who wrote it. On top of that, we don't have the earliest manuscripts or even close to it. So we don't know if it's been preserved. We don't know if there's uh, been alterations to it. We also have a lot of variants in the different ones that we have. And this is not the same for everyone. I'm giving you a, a grand view of things of why certain books aren't treated as such, right? Um, this should also make you more confident in your scriptures because with those, there's issues. And if they were in our Bible, that would bring more questions from the outside. Like, wait, you you believe that's the word of God, even though this, this, and that, right? So I, I, I'm happy that things are the way it are, the way they are. I believe that God doesn't let his word be corrupted or misunderstood, not misunderstood, but uh, twisted in that way. So that's why I believe that that's the canon. I believe the canon is revealed by God. People will try and say the church decided it, but that's wrong. Yeah. And uh, to Mr. Toes, uh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. John says to us in, in, in the closing closing chapter of his gospel that if he had to write every single thing that Jesus Christ did and said, there would not be enough paper in the world to, to, to fill it. Um, what we have is relevant for us. What we have is sufficient for us. And what we have is, is what we need in order to defend our faith. So when we look at the Gospels and we look at the accounts, again, some will say, ooh, there's a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. This actually plays into the, the proof of the accuracy of the witness accounts and the one writing down 
his account of what he heard Christ say. So um, absolutely not necessary to add anything to the word of God. As God says in the book of Revelation, nothing should be added. Nothing should be removed. So, and he doesn't, Deuteronomy as well. So we, we know that the Bible is sufficient and everything we need in to, to walk like Christians, talk like Christians, and ultimately how to be saved is sufficient for us in the 66 canon Bible. Amen. Uh, real quick, I saw this question, really, really easy answer. Why do they say, why do they say BCE now instead of BC or B, but it's always been BC. This is them trying to remove Jesus from it. So BC yeah. mean, meant before Christ. BCE is not before Christ with the knee on the end. It's before common error and they removed AD and made it CE. So common error. So CE is common error or common time and then before common error. So it's their way of removing Christ. So BC was before Christ and AD was Audio, audio, audio. Alta domino. Alta domino. Which means the year of our Lord. So therefore, Amen. whenever you said the name of the year, you had to reference Jesus, whether you liked it or not. They took that away. I love this one. Uh, I love this one. So Blackbeard if I Studio keep backsliding, good. what is my path forward? Uh, Blackbeard Studios, you're not backsliding. You're battling with the flesh. You're not reading your Bible enough. You're not praying enough. You're not in a fellowship with believers to help and encourage you and 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 walk the the burdens that you are carrying um, and the sins that you're battling with with you. Um, and this is why we'll always say uh, the Discord is a community where you can have these discussions um, where you can lean on and say what you're battling with. And there are many mentors and and awesome men of God. Um, that that would be that be more than willing to sit with you, have conversations with you, and 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 talk through whatever it is you're battling with. Again, uh, we're we're at war here. Um, this is a spiritual. <laughs> this is not a walk in the park. The Christian life is not. It, it's a battleground. So there, you're there. There's a constant rage, raging war between the flesh and the spirit. And we walk according to the spirit. And the only way to walk according to the spirit is to read your Bible. <laughs> yeah, so I muted him because I'm sorry I wasn't quicker with that. I know you didn't want to hear that, guys. Piercing your ears. Computer screen's broken. But to add my two cents to that. Um, we just talked about this backsliding issue. People have created something that doesn't exist in scripture and then it brings fear into people's hearts. Now, are we giving you permission for your failures? No, but the thing about grace is grace is permission to fail. Keep getting up and keep going to him. I mean, even if we use the imagery of backsliding, backsliding just means I slide back. I'm still moving forward. You're still, you still have your eyes set on the Lord, but you're climbing a tall hill and sometimes you slide back. The real issue is keep going forward. Like if you really want to know, keep going forward that every day that you wake up is what matters. I just told this to someone earlier. But what you need to understand is that your, your brain is playing a game on you because it thinks yesterday exists. No matter who you were yesterday, it doesn't matter. Like, ready for this? If yesterday you didn't actually believe, let's like worst case scenario, let's say yesterday you didn't actually believe in Jesus. Yesterday you were not really a Christian. You thought you were, but you weren't. And you were the worst sinner to ever live yesterday. Guess what today is? Today is the day of salvation. Can you be saved Amen. today? Yes. Do you put your Praise. faith in Jesus right now? Amen. That's all that matters. And a lot of times we get so caught up on how bad I did yesterday and how unworthy I was yesterday and how I don't deserve to be saved yesterday that we forget about today. Like today is the Amen. only day that matters. Um, so 
Today is the day of salvation. All you should be doing is trying to be better every day that you wake up. Wake up and be better. That's it. And when you fail, you look at, back up at the cross and you say, I'm going to be better. And you keep aiming for him. Um, yeah. Real quick also to add, someone keep uh, asked a couple of times, did Jesus read the Apocrypha as a boy? We don't know what Jesus read, but I can promise you this, that he did read the Apocrypha most likely because of his level of knowledge, right? So they called him rabbi. He's God. I mean, so no one's sitting here saying that the Apocrypha is not something decent to read or can give you wisdom, right? No one's saying it's it's not. In fact, just like today, we all read books. Like I show you guys books all the time. I read Charles Spurgeon, right? It's a man of God who wrote things down. His work is strengthening to me because this man of God is filled with the spirit and moved with the spirit, right? It's not, mm. it's not infallible mm. word of God. I don't get, I don't get, it can make my walk better, but it's not what I need for salvation. The Bible yeah. is what you need for, is sufficient for salvation. Encouragement. Look at it this way. What does the Bible say about our fellowship, right, J.D., is that we bear each other's burdens and we help each other. Well, if I write down my thoughts on paper, you still have access to my words in days that you need help. So if I die today, would there be a difference between J.D. reading my words versus talking to me? I mean, obviously, I'm not here anymore, but like I would still be giving him my wisdom that can help him in his walk. So why not read it, right? So reading things like the Apocrypha are not negative. No one's saying that. And yes, Jesus most likely read the Apocrypha because anything rolled up in the temple, he would have known because he was in the temple at the ages of the youngest age that we know that he was possible to be there. And they was like, where was you at? And he was like, I was in my father's house. Right. And he was teaching them things that blew their mind. So, yes, of course, he probably did. Do we know? We don't know anything that he did at that age other than what the Bible reveals. So if someone told you that he did as a definite and they're using that as a reason to tell you to read the Apocrypha, I would respond instantly being like, okay, are you saying that all he read was scripture? What if he read something that wasn't scripture? You saying I have to read that too? Like that's a ridiculous claim. I'm pretty sure Jesus read things that I can't read today because we don't have them anymore. Things that were yeah, in the temple amen. that have faded away and evaporated because of dust and, and just aging. Right. So yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous claim. Someone I doubt they know what they're talking about. Yeah. And, and, and this is also what, what does scripture say about scripture? Look at all the times, uh, the, the prophets and Christ and the apostles, how they refer to the word of God. God is capable of preserving his word. Um, the psalmist says that, that, the word of God is a lamp um, to his feet and a light to his path. So what we know is that what we have is sufficient because God will not allow us to walk through this life blindly once we've believed in him. Um, and that's where faith comes in. Again, Hebrews 11, 1. I mean, we see that faith is the substance of, uh, you know, of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We know that if God has said this, if God has promised it, then it will be so. This is why Paul says in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Because we lean on Christ. We don't lean on ourselves. Again, with this, you know, with the, the constant feeling of of of. Like, you're not good enough. I saw another comment saying, yes, but my parsons are always, you know, in, in, in my face. And that's why Paul speaks of this in 2 Corinthians, that his sin is forever before him. And godly sorrow brings forth repentance that leads to salvation. You, you must remember something, brothers and sisters. Your sins have been blotted out. Your sins have been forgiven. Your sins are no more. 
you, the reason you still remember your sin is so that you continue to look to the cross. If imagine if your sin was erased every every day, you, you had no recollection of what you have done. What would what would there be stopping you from doing the exact same things again and again? Having the the memory, like Mark's got a past, I've got a past. We we from the streets, <laughs> not proud of it, but ultimately looking back at it now, that's where we preach. That's where we bring the love. Instead of tearing them down and ripping them apart, that's where we go to show people that God has done this thing and God is continuing to do this thing. So everybody, your sin will turn into a testimony that you can use to bring other people the, the truth of the gospel because they can see, wow, this is how you used to be. This is how you are. So when people come, you used to that. And I'm like, you can stand over a dead man's grave all day, all week, all night. And you can be cussing out the dead man by all means. I'm no longer lying there. I'm no longer dead there. I've moved up. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things old have passed away. That includes my old life. I'm, I'm aware of it. I can remember it. But Christ doesn't see that. I am now made the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God through the man, Christ Jesus. That's the bottom line. Because Stone amen. Cold didn't. Amen, amen, amen. Um, yeah, guys, we could keep going about this, but I know that JD's hitting his uh, his end moment where he has to get out of here. And if, if I don't stop us, then we'll keep going. But now that we know that this is something that you guys are definitely interested in, uh, apologetics and the, you know, hitting these common questions of defending the faith and, and that stuff, uh, it definitely can be a, be something that we possibly look into and possibly do. Uh, I will definitely keep you guys updated as much as possible. Uh, as far as the podcast go, it is coming to that point where we're going to be ending it here. Uh, there will not be an after show on TikTok, really. I mean, I'll say hi for a minute, but as you guys know, since losing my ability to live stream on my main page, um, I don't know. I've just lost the interest of giving TikTok the time. Um, oh, looks like right on time. Dom is up. Um, so yeah, so it is time for us to get out of here. If you're not already a part of the Discord community, as you probably heard discussed tonight, we have one, a place for you guys to come. Bible studies, mentorship, uh, just fellowship. And as JD mentioned, if you guys want to give to the donations, links are all throughout the description, our websites, all that stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not a YouTuber, man. Y'all can read the description. I shouldn't have to walk you through this uh, and baby step you. The next episode will be Wednesday at 8.30 Central. Um, but I tell you this, uh, someone asked about the next mailbag episode. I think prior to the next mailbag episode, I've been thinking about possibly getting another um, marriage episode. Uh, I would love to be able to get my wife, maybe JD's wife, and and do something. But also something I need to talk about in the background with JD. Uh, so you got anything for them? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, sorry, my, my son is up and he's he's screaming in my ear. <laughs> he wants his tea. But um, I, I was thinking we need to do a mailbag episode again uh, before before the end of the month. So get your questions in so long. Email them through. Um, but definitely have to do another one on marriage. Oh, yeah. Um, that is I know. I just realized I should probably um, make this clear. Uh, I am going away during the Christmas period for a week. And I know that you really don't celebrate Christmas like that. So JD will probably keep the podcast going. It's up to him if he wants to. Um, but there's going to, I'm going to miss like two episodes around the Christmas period. Cause I'm going to be traveling. Um, so just giving you guys that heads up as well. 
Yeah, I think I think it's a, probably a good idea to take a week break um, over the Christmas period anyway, so everybody can spend some time with their families. So if you're going to be away, then I think then we'll take we a week uh, off. We I'll, take a I'll, week off. Yeah, I'll make sure that I figure out the exact dates. I've got them written down somewhere, and I will announce whatever episodes it interferes with. Uh, someone asked, what's a mailbag episode? So about once a month, sometimes a little bit less than that. Uh, I mean, a little bit more spread out than that. We like to host a mailbag episode where everybody can email in questions that they've really been thinking about, not like on the spur of the moment kind of thing. Also, we try and do giveaways at the mailbag episode. Uh, we've done some extreme giveaways, and then we do little giveaways. Uh, but yeah. Uh, the name of the Discord, all that is in the comment. I mean, in the description, we've got people here that are moderators from the Discord. I'll leave this live stream up for a couple minutes so they can help you get there. Uh, but you guys have any questions? The emails are below. I'm out of here. JD's out of here. So as always, uh, God bless and go in peace. And I'll let Dom and JD say bye. Say bye, boy. Say bye. Say bye, everybody. Jordan's going to say bye. bye. <laughs> he said me ugly to your sister. Bye. So Jesus loves you all. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs>